So actually, we don't realize it, but we've got our 18-year-old self or our 21-year-old self is the one that has defined what success looks like. And we were quite shallow at 18 or 21. And so it's like, it's the corner office, it's the it's the flashy car, it's whatever. And, and subconsciously, we're driven by this this idea of what wealth and success actually is. But actually, if you take a step back and go, what does success look like to me today? It's often very different. Welcome to the Picture of Wealth, a podcast all about living more of your life now, yet being responsible for your future. Lifestyle experimenter, wealth scientist, and financial coach Dustin Service shares life hacks, wealth tips, and interviews successful entrepreneurs on how they're thriving in happiness, purpose, and prosperity. Listener, what a treat this was. Uh, I had met James uh, through a, another contact. I didn't know him before the podcast, and we came out uh, great friends. James Johnson is a founder and a CEO coach, so he coaches founders of companies on how to make pivotal shifts in their business and their personal life. He's located out in the UK, but uh, breaking into the markets in the US. He also uh, has a podcast called Future Fit Founder. And he's uh, got a growing following at that. So he is uh, going to give us some great tools and tricks on how to shift your mindset to becoming successful as you get older. He mentions when we're 18, we establish some of the goals and the anchors that are our success metrics. And we carry those into our 40s, yet they haven't evolved with where we are in life. And it makes it very, very hard, sometimes frustrating to get unstuck and to head a different direction. We also uncovered some great personal connections in the fertility journeys that we had. And, and James is a, a new dad of a 15-month-old, so he shares how he's balancing a successful business, successful podcast, and being there for his family. So I am really excited to share this with you. I'm excited to have James Johnson on the show today. James, thanks a lot for being on. We're talking everything uh, business coaching, uh, founder coaching, so for founders of companies and getting your mind right, using tips and strategies to build bigger businesses or build more efficient businesses. No, uh, there's never uh, a dull moment in that space. James, thanks a lot for being on the show. Oh, my pleasure, Dustin. Really excited about today. James, can you just bring us up to speed? Uh, you know, people can look you up and you've got great uh, bio and great uh, website exposure, which we'll leave uh, at the end of the show. But what what's got you to here? What What is the driver and, uh, you know, what is the demand out there for, for founder coaching uh, in the in the business space? I think it's growing all the time, Dustin, because I think there's this growing realization that being a founder is awesome, but it's also quite a tough gig. And it takes, and, and the reason why I focused on founders is because I was a founder myself. Um, and it's an awesome, it's an awesome experience. It's an awesome journey. You have lots of fun. But it's also quite tough. Like you're, you're quite isolated. You're giving lots of support to everyone else. You're not much getting much back. You don't necessarily, people don't necessarily challenge you in the same way because you're, you're their boss. And even though you might have this culture, oh, it's a really open culture. No one's going to really challenge you if you can fire them ultimately. Um, and that can come with like personal challenges as well in terms of like burnout, stress, just really undervaluing the personal side. There's kind of this whole narrative around, oh, well, I'll sort out my personal life when I exit, when I retire, et cetera, just leads to this just, well, epidemic of burnout, really. 30% uh, of businesses fail because the founders actually burn out rather than the fact that it's not actually a great idea. So what we talk about in our business is, is there's never an email that comes in and says, you know, you're approved to take Fridays off. And so a founder needs to... <laughs> 
take it upon themselves and have the courage to do something different if they want a different outcome. So when, when someone comes into you, help us understand what is one of the main problems you see with, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners on the podcast, listeners, uh, in our sort of, you know, network. Where are people at post COVID? You know, go, 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 goals, mm. revenue growth, all that stuff. And then you've got the mix of like, well, I want to do as little as possible and make as much money so I can have as much time off. So wh- where in the middle does, does the market sit? Well, I think there's this real fallacy around the way to succeed is to work harder and harder. It's kind of like, just put your head down, go faster, work harder, and this whole hustle culture thing. Whereas you could end up just kind of just running around like all over the place. You're not actually getting anywhere nearer to where you're trying to get to. So I think just taking a step back and going, one, it's actually by going slower, you can go faster. <laughs> just taking the time for yourself, mm-hmm. taking the time to look up is actually going to get you to where you want to get to because you're taking a shorter path. And then I think the second thing is that this idea that looking after yourself is kind of selfish. I think as founders, we think, oh, we should put like every effort into the business. We should put every effort into everything else. But actually, if we look after ourselves, the irony is if we put effort into ourselves and we look after ourselves, we'll actually again go faster. The business will be better. Our team will be better. Like, a founder with who's going through like mental health issues or is stressed is is a founder who's not making good decisions. They're not showing up for their staff as they should be, and they're probably not going to survive the journey. So I just think taking these two realizations, which is one, it's okay to take time, and actually it's positive. And secondly, looking after yourself is not a nice to have; it's a critical part of a successful founder journey. Is actually quite liberating. So we work with, with a number of blue collar business owners. And what I find when we talk about this mindset is they struggle with, well, if I work less, then my employees won't respect me and the business will go for shit. So, you know, it's, I'll say to guys, well, you know, you're working 12 hours a day, uh, six days a week. You gotta, you gotta knock that down, like no weekends. And they'll go, oh, well, but if the guys don't see me coming in first or work on the weekends, and I don't like really tell them that I was in on Saturday, then, you know, they won't work as hard. Mm. How, how do you coach around that topic? Well, I think it's analyzing what's really going on there. It's this kind of slight imposter syndrome of, oh, am I, am I really the boss? Am I really good enough? Like, I need to, the only way I can prove that is by working longer hours. And actually, again, this kind of first in, last out idea is actually quite detrimental. What is actually your role as the leader? Like, and I think one of the things I work with my clients on is just redefining their job spec. So like step one is like trying to clarify what they're actually trying to achieve, but then really look at their own job spec and give themselves permission to take a different role. Because if they were setting their job for someone else, they wouldn't say, what do you want from your boss? Well, I want them to be first in. I want them to be last out. I want them to be super harassed. I want them to be like so busy. I can't get hold of them. Like, that's not what they want. They want someone there who's steady. They want someone there who's thinking about the future. They want someone who shows up in a good mindset to support and listen to them. So actually what we think they value, because what we used to value when we were more junior, we haven't actually updated. And I think just taking that moment to really look at it and go, what do I want to be and how do I have the most impact on the business? And you can even sense check that with your team which I've some of my clients do, to go, what do you like which of these two job specs do you what do you want from me? Do you want this version of me or this version of me? And they always go, well, I love this version of you. I don't, I don't want the <laughs> And again, that's quite freeing. 
Yeah. No, it's very freeing. And, and is there, is there a moment that happens for business owners or, cause I, I know, you know, a lot, again, lots of the people we coach or work with there is, um, there is interest and, you know, we go for beers at a pub and, you know, we're talking about it. I get them all excited and they're like, I got to do what, what you're saying. And then next week, busy, 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 it just deteriorates. And so is the people that sign up with you, is there a, a moment or is there a something that gets them going like, James, like I need your help right now? Or do you find you have to kind of grind your way in to, to get them to, to listen to you? I, th I think that's a really interesting point. I think most people probably come for coaching about three to six months after they probably should have done. And <laughs> yes, bingo. <laughs> that wasn't set up, but I thought. I mean, definitely nice. when you sort of start having like physical symptoms of burnout, or when you start it starts impacting your family relationships, or you start seeing, let's say, the business is not trending how you want it to trend, or there's a sense of frustration that actually you're moving further away from this goal than than moving closer towards it. When it starts becoming really painful, then people, it becomes a real no-brainer because there's like it's like if I don't fix this now this physical symptom is going to continue. Like if I don't fix this now in three months, six months, I'm not going to have a bit like a business. Yeah. But actually having those conversations three months, six months earlier can unlock the sort of what your vision should be, can unlock the future version of your business, can unlock the future version of you. It's just really hard because it was so locked with mindset. Oh, I shouldn't spend money on myself. I shouldn't spend time on myself. I should focus entirely on my business and entirely on my team. And that is a fallacy. And that, but it's really hard to break away from because that's definitely how I felt. 100% how I felt. Yeah. And I just wrote a, 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 basically our newsletter called, you know, the, the Service Wealth Edge. And in it, I was talking about people's wealth edges. And we get fixated on other people's strategies. You know, your neighbor's buying rental houses, your other person's doing crypto. Who knows? Like, there's all these things. And you're like, well, that's what I got to do. Well, the reality is you could you could start with your own business. If you're successful, likely you're saving a bit of money. So then you say, well, I put 10,000 a month or 2,000 a month or 500 a month or whatever into stocks or into GICs, whatever it is. You could literally say, I'm not going to put that money into investments and I'm just going to put it into coaching or I'm going to reinvest it back in myself. And again, you know, love him or hate him, Grant Cardone talks about it of like when you're younger especially investing in your skills and your connections is is way more value probably uh so you get us down the road you're coaching someone comes to you and says you know james i am i should have called you six months ago uh where are we going to start what is like step one in in your process does it have a name where where are we going here so the first thing to me it's interesting this is why i love the name of your podcast i focus on the picture of wealth because i think it ties into what I talk about in terms of, I talk about like a work-life integration rather than a work-life balance. Because I think work-life balance sets us up to fail. I don't think it's possible to balance work and life. And so the step one for anyone is to like take a step back and go, okay, what does success actually look like to you? Because I think when we come into this, we leave school and maybe we go to university, maybe we don't. And at some point we start working. But in that, in that period of time before we start working, that is actually when we define what success looks like to us. So actually we don't, don't realize it, but we've got our 18-year-old self or 21-year-old self is the one that has defined what success looks like. And we were quite shallow at 18 or 21. And so it's like, it's the corner office. It's the, 
it's the flashy car, it's whatever. And, and subconsciously, we're driven by this this idea of what wealth and success actually is. But actually, if you take a step back and go, what does success look like to me today? It's often very different. Like it often involves family. It often involves stuff outside of work. It often involves health, being there for friends. And actually taking a step back and, and re-looking at that and to find, okay, well, actually, this is what success looks like to me, like holistically in my life, in my work, drives so many other realizations. But that is always the first step. It's just take that step back and go, okay, today, if we took a moment, pause, how would you define success mm -hmm. and <laughs> it's interesting because i'm writing my 2023 goals and uh you know laying it out for the team and i still have some of those sneaky goals of uh you know own a harley or you know a turbo snowmobile <laughs> you know and then amongst ones that have evolved but it's you know as i looked at them this morning i'm thinking those those are things you could buy uh, you know realistically so it's it's not like those are goals anymore those are old i, I love I might coin that from you. I'll give you credit for it in the future. But your 18-year-old self created that stuff when you became, you know, into the workforce. And we need to unpack that. Mm. You know, I, you know, there's many books written on it, but you don't always have to believe your thoughts to be true. And, you know, so really having somebody like you mine out that is is so valuable for for founders and entrepreneurs. So uh, keeping that kind of going and keeping your flow, you've got kind of you've, you've exposed people to a different mindset. Now, are we go, are we getting very strategic with writing things down? Are we working a plan? You know, are people just talking to you weekly, monthly? Like, what what is you know you and like you're a coach. Hmm. So what what does a business coach do? So not with people, I would work initially on a three month program because you need time for things to to shift. Um, and once you've got that clear vision, it's also about pulling out what's blocking people and what people's concerns are. Because everyone's coming into this with slightly different experience, different expectations and different problems. Um, so the next stage is then defining what success of those three months looks like. So what's the change we want to see? And then creating a plan to work backwards from that. And I think that's really important because we often we build plans, we build them forward. And I'm sure when you do your financial planning stuff, it's exactly the same. Like, Looking forward, there are so many reasons why you can't do something. But if you're clear what your endpoint is, you can just sequence it backwards. It's like you're not even thinking about the blockers. They just kind of naturally come out and it's just a much easier process. So I think that yeah. planning backwards is really important. But one thing that's really surprised me actually is I think there's this real need to clear the decks as well. So clear the decks meaning what? It's not just about having the plan. It's about like we've got so much stuff that's just sitting in our head that's actually blocking us. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, oh, there's, there's this project I need to do or there's this person I need to find. or there's this, And actually, they're, they're just sitting in our head and we probably haven't done stuff enough about them. And they're kind of nagging away at us, but actually just getting that out on paper just so you can just look at it and go, okay, well, this is the stuff that's sitting in my head. Okay, this I'm going to do, this I'm not going to do, this I don't care about anymore. Okay, this I need to get done. And actually using that first three months also just to kind of unfreeze yourself because it kind of those those undone thoughts freeze us in place so we, before we can actually even start moving forward we need to unfreeze ourselves but james i set goals like 
five years ago that I haven't achieved. And I'm one of those guys that locks on to stuff. So I'm going to, you know, what do I do about that? I don't want to, I don't want to take a goal off my thing. Like I'm an achiever. Well, I think, well, so this, this is why starting with a vision is so important. So let's say you, you redefine your vision. Those goals may no longer be relevant and often aren't relevant. You say like the Harley Davidson, maybe it's a nice to have, maybe it's kind of, actually, maybe that doesn't fit into my lifestyle because I've got two kids. It would stress out my wife. Actually, I'd, I'd be worried I would have an accident like this. Actually, is it even a goal? And so it's 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 quite uh, releasing because you're sit- you're sitting on all these things in your head, but actually re-looking at them in a very structured format and going, okay, well, this is what I'm trying to get to. These half of these things don't actually move me towards it. They kind of move me over here. So actually, they're gone. Or maybe I can add one or two on, but actually. It's quite an easy process when you get into it because once you're locked onto that vision, it's very simple. Does it help me get towards there or not? If it does, do it. If it doesn't, why, why bother? Is there a recent uh, file without breaching confidentiality you can talk about maybe just like uh, the generalization or a common, maybe it's a common thing you hear with founders of like what that person kind of was started what was going this way and then you managed to help them reshift to this way yeah and then uh you know just so people have context to what kind of a, what is an example here okay so this, this is quite businessy but it also feeds into personal so i worked with the clients and they were getting really stressed because they'd set their target themselves to double their turnover and they were like double, double or, or double double in a year okay. and it was i mean it's a doable target that they've done it before but they were called the way through the year and they were and they were sort of tracking off it. And what they found is they were going into these patterns of behavior to try and, like, oh, we need to close, we need to close deals because we're getting further and further away from our revenue goal. Right. And actually, when you took a step back, what they cared about was actually not the revenue. The revenue was not important. When you, when you came back to what they really cared about, they cared about profit. They cared about customer experience. They cared about their people. And they cared about feeling proud that they were doing something. That, that's a sense of of like really creating something worthwhile. And what that meant was that they quite easily stepped away from those goals because kind of like suddenly it was like, we don't actually, <laughs> why do we care? Why do we care about yeah. revenue? Like it's not on our top four things we care about. Like we're trying to build this. And ironically, they've actually now <laughs> gone past doubling their revenue because they, they, they rejigged what they did. They looked at the, the sort of lines of service that they did. They said, actually, well, these two we feel really great about and the team enjoy it. These two, they're quite high revenue, but they're quite stressful and we're not sure we're like experts at it. So we'll cut those bits. We'll focus on actually we'll add one more bit in here because actually we like it and the team like it and we think it's a good idea. And just taking that pressure off themselves. I mean, they were no longer like chasing a revenue target. They realized they didn't care about it. And actually the best thing was they, then they went out to their team and the team were really excited because they were, everyone was feeling the pressure beforehand, both of the business underperforming, although it wasn't. It was perceived to be underperforming. And they were also really excited because the founders were really excited again. Yeah, well, doesn't that energy is contagious. Uh, and you, you kind of started the podcast with that, that, you know, if a person is working 12 hours a day, six days a week, you know, we often say to people like, if your staff starts to feel like you're not engaged or you're not looking and don't have vision for the future, then this won't exist in the future. So, 100. yeah, you got 100%. And I think that the, 
the thing that makes me happiest is when is when founders say I'm enjoying I'm enjoying running my business again for the first time in X. Because it's miserable when you, when you set up a business and you've got like this vision and you feel it's not actually getting towards it and you feel like you're failing. You feel like you're failing a business and as a founder you are your business so you feel like you're failing individually. Right. And it's getting further and further away so you start scrabbling harder and harder and actually just taking a step back and going actually what do I really want? What do I what do I want to build? Actually I can do it. I just need a bit of time and support. It feels great again. Like and that that I think is the real sort of duality of like delivering business results by delivering that personal impact as well. You are a founder and I'm switching gears a little bit and only cuz uh, we talked about it uh, before. Uh, you're a founder, busy, successful, uh, going, 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 and you've got a new baby. How are you managing that? Hmm. Or how, like, I know this is outside your founder scope, but it's a very real scenario for many of us. Well, I, I would say the first thing is that my wife and I really struggled to have our child. Like, we, we tried for about five years, um, and we were literally about to start IVF when we found out and we went through miscarriages but then we about to start IVF but we made a number of changes before we did that so we I, I switched to being a coach I sold my business my wife switched her work so she moved to a new she's a dentist she's a brilliant dentist um, and she moved to like an even better practice and went part time um, we looked after ourselves personally but it meant that we it, he was something that we really wanted and we, we made a lot of life change to have so I think going into it initially with just a real gratitude that it was possible helps. <laughs> um, yep. But it's also really hard. I mean, I, I really don't have a magic bullet on this because it's hard. I mean, as, as you know, I mean, you you are not operating at the top of your game because you are tired. Like there is a big demand on your time that you maybe want to be present for. Um I think for me, I think it's acknowledging that actually the game has changed again, and that means like a broken record. Coming back to this vision of what you want makes all the difference because if what you're for me, if you ask my wife when we first met, I was so charming. I would say, look, for me, work is number one. Like I just just want to be clear, like work is number one. Everything else comes second. I'm so focused on work. Um, Luckily, she's a very patient and loving woman, uh, and (laughs) yeah. Let, let me let me get away with that for a period um but i think that is a mindset that i had and i think the mindset quite common to founders like work is one but actually once i shifted and said actually i'm doing this i'm, st- I'm still very work focused i still love it it's still my re- one of my reasons for being but actually my family is my who everything is around that mm-hmm. and so taking and it's really hard it's taking a step back from these goals that we've set ourselves and we've got used to doing because the game has changed, like we no longer have seven days a week, and we can no longer work evenings, and we or maybe we can, but we probably need to get involved in the mornings. Or we're, we're playing with less time, but success has changed. Success is no longer might no longer be like growing the business three times or having fifty people. Success might be actually focusing on profit or focusing on how you can really use your time effectively, or how you can make sure you're there for certain things. Like I've I've really struggled. This year, so Artie, my son, goes swimming on a Monday. Me and my wife take it in turns. And I've really struggled at times this year on the Sunday night going, well, maybe this week I could ask Marcella to take him because I've got an extra morning back. And it's kind of t- take a look at myself. Like, the whole reason you made these changes 
is to have a family and to be there for them. What are you going to do? But there's still this guilt in terms of it's so ingrained of kind of a career worth of be first in, be last out, yeah. like work as hard as you can. And even though I coach on this, it's still I'm still catching myself thinking these thoughts because they're so embedded. So I'm not saying it's easy. No, you've uh, well, you 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 kind of you manage. I, I often say to people, there's 168 hours in a week. So if you were balanced, you'd have. Uh, 56 hours for sleep, 56 hours for work, and 56 hours for yourself. But the self bucket includes family. So, you know, when you look at that, it's like, well, I still want to go to the gym or I still want to go play golf or whatever a person's thing is. And it's probably not going to come out of the seven hours a night of sleep because that's not good for anyone's health. And it's probably not going to come out of the family bucket. So it's going to come out of the work bucket is the easiest bucket to pull it from. So you need to be faster at making decisions and better and you know have done the reps using a coach to give you more efficient tools to to get more to your day because then all of a sudden you free up time if you're not doing 56 hours of work week you could do 45 you still got nine so now you got six days of three like a couple hours you know an hour here that's great uh so uh, I, I share the, the fertility journey and, and some listeners know, some don't, but we, uh, we equal you on the five years of uh, fertility issues and seven in vitros and the stress around that. I mm. heart goes out to you and uh, happy that you've got uh, Artie because that's not a very fun um, uh, moment. And that would, I would have called you uh, during our, uh, <laughs> our journey because as work paid, you know, work paid the bills. And the bills enabled our life. So if work didn't happen, then our life was going to be shit. And you couldn't have family and work. Mm. You could only be, you know, the friends we have that are, you know, they have average incomes. They're the happiest, nicest people. They're the best dad. And, uh, but I, I, average income wasn't part of my wiring right for my paper route from age eight. So, uh, again, I think we all as dads are, are working towards that balance and that sense of like success like I know it before is not you know I had to do it last year where there's a calendar you can't see I'm on another wall but I put dots on every time I drop the kids off at at school mm. <laughs> and my wife's like yeah that's your job you're a dad and I'm like well yeah but I didn't envision that at 18 I didn't envision like that's that was my wife's job and so unpacking that and then seeing the year of all the green dots you know she's like well so what? I'm like, yeah, for me though, that means something. And then it now is a habit. So thank you uh, for sharing that story. That was, uh, that was really special. What do you see more people coming to you with families or is it more the hard chargers or is there, do you even even notice a trend there? I would say it's, I would say it's hard chargers with families. And I, and I, and I, and I think, and we're trying to win at both. Or it's hard charges ah. with thinking about families and are conscious that how's that going to impact? Like, can I charge hard if I've got a family? But I, mm. I really think it comes back to this idea of it's not about running faster. It's about running smarter and taking the time because if your journey to success is shorter, you can go slower. So if you I give an example. So I sue triathlons very badly. Um, I was a really bad swimmer. You you do them. It's a UK term you just uh, hit us up with there. 
you do or sue or what you just I, I did them so i haven't I haven't done it ages okay, okay. um gotcha and i was really bad at swimming so i ended up, I ended up doing an ironman and i did it breaststroke but i tried to do in in a, in a lead up i tried to do a swimming race and i was trying to do front crawl and i was like i just need to go faster <laughs> i was kind of swimming away thinking oh i'm doing really well and ended up I put my head up to see where i was and i was literally by the side of the lake i just veered off the course and was ended up by the side of the <laughs> lake and I've always thought that's such a good analogy around coaching. Like if you're not putting your head up and just checking where you're going, you can feel you're doing really well, but you're veering so far off course. So you do need to clear where you're trying to get to, hence back to the vision thing. But you do need to check in. Otherwise, you can end up going miles off. So actually, if you put the right sort of check-ins in place and you look after yourself, you're more. for me, it's more about energy than time. So if you look after yourself, you can generate deliver more energy in a shorter space of time so you'll get more stuff done if you're clear about what you're trying to do you won't do stuff that's not going to get you to where you want to get to in which case you're going to get a lot of time back because the reality is as founders as humans we could fill up our diary 10 times over quite easily just on the work front 100 percent. 24 hours a day seven days a week there's never there's always something and entrepreneurs are full of good ideas and full of even more great ideas you know, you just never a shortage, right? <laughs> so true. So if, uh, if people are, how do people, like the most successful clients that you've had where they made a real pivotal shift in their business, in their personal life, whatever it is, how did they establish the habit? Or how did they establish, like, is it, you know, you mentioned three months, you're coaching. So there's some sort of interval you're talking, you're working through some things. But then when you're gone after three months, how have you established that habit? So the initial program is three months and then it, then it continues. I actually, so I had a coach. The main reason why I got into coaching was I had a coach. I had the same coach for six years. Um, because it is a constant, like you keep on uncovering stuff and the things you discover are crazy. Like uh, one, of, one of my clients recently stopped drinking and that's not something that I, I'm not going to coaching going, you shouldn't drink. Like I, I right. don't, I personally don't drink, but I really don't mind either way. And they said to me, I think they were half joking. They said, if I'd realized that my true self didn't drink, I wouldn't have started this process. <laughs> 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 my true self sucks. But I, I mean, they're joking because actually that's, they became very clear on what they were trying to achieve. And it's kind of like, does drinking fit into this? And for some people it does, for some people it doesn't. But I think that ongoing support is quite important. It doesn't seem to be as, be as intense. Often it shifts to like a monthly session rather than twice a month. Right. But it is an ongoing process of like you fix this or uncover this. Goals can change. Progress can happen. It doesn't. You don't. You don't change everything in three months. No, that, that's what I was impressed. I was. I was thinking the people we coach. Uh... <laughs> We work with them, you know, for six months, and then you know, it's just if if you don't have the right tools or the habits, or try and establish, hey, you know, here's six things that we're working on, but really, this is going to take like a year, uh, and but we're going to do these two things in three months, and and you might only achieve four in in six months, but if they're the big enough things, then it's uh, it, it's it's meaningful. Also, I think habit habits entropy. Like we think, oh, why have I why have I dropped this habit? Entropy is like a natural part of the world, like things that you stop doing things. So, and it's about every three months you stop doing things, you don't reinforce it. So actually having that time, just have someone to check in with is a good discipline to know that you're going to check in 
and it's a good discipline to have someone to check in to. Because I think I think the reason why I became a coach and the reason why I enjoyed having a coach is because I think it's such a unique relationship because every other relationship you have is based around power. Like you have your team, you have power over them. You're having conversations with an investor. There's a power game going on. Even to a degree with your family, there are certain business aspects where there is a power thing going on. Whereas a coach is truly a peer relationship where there's no agenda. Right. So actually having that completely safe space just to go, oh, I'm feeling like this, or I'm thinking of this, or I'm not sure about this. These are conversations that you probably don't want to have with your team. You maybe don't want to take home and stress your partner. Like maybe don't don't even feel comfortable saying it in front of other people because it's kind of like it feels like maybe it's a slightly weird thing to think. But actually having that space, knowing that you've got it, is actually very freeing. How have you found the transition from, again, recruitment was your past, but has your income gone up or down since you left recruitment? That is a great question. It's gone up. Because... Yeah, interesting. What's interesting about it is is that I work less now than I did before. Mm-hmm. But before, it was very locked in. Many businesses, particularly, this is one of the things I talk about with my clients, hit this sort of danger zone area where you grow into a certain size, your revenue is growing, but you start putting in all these costs to support it. So you put extra management in, you put extra sort of staff in, you put extra systems in, and actually your revenue is going like this, but your profit starts going down. And it's enormously frustrating because you're like, yeah. I'm working really hard to grow, but actually all this money's being soaked up. And for me now, that's not something that I experience. And I think it's really helpful to help other founders explore that as well. Like what the, how to escape that danger zone trap. It feels very frustrating because it's like, if I continue doing this, I'm actually getting further away from my, my vision. But I would say even apart from the yeah. earning, I would say I'm much wealthier in terms of having my family, having the ability to have that time, being properly present for them, not being stressed and actually being being, like, being able to show up and smile and be in a good mood with my my wife and my child, that is priceless. You ever not get? You ever not get kind of sucked into going? Well, if I had an apartment building of you know six units and it paid me this much, then I wouldn't have to work. I get all this rent. You don't ever get sucked into that. I, I work with some really successful founders. And I'll be honest, sometimes talking to them, they're like, oh, well, I'm doing this. My profit for this month is I'm going to do like two million profit this month. And it's like, should, like that, is, that, is, that is not something you're going to do as a coach. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But at the same time, I've also made a conscious choice to step away from that journey for now so I can focus on being with my family and, help, and helping other founders. It may be something I go back to, maybe when... Artie's older, maybe I would go back into an exec star role. But I also may not because I again I don't think it just comes down to the money. Like my definition of what success is has 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 really changed. Um so it's a great question. Um but I feel I feel wealthier. Yeah, and that that isn't uh 
And, and again, I'm, I'm not dressed in a suit and tie, uh, although I deal with tens of millions and hundreds of net worth. Uh, I'm a bit counterculture to the finance industry because when we're young, you're told that you need to save for retirement. You need to put money into investments. You need to, you know, do this so that when you're retired, you can be happy. Mm. So all along the way, you for 40 years, you should, you know, be sort of average because you need to save a lot. You know, you might not have enough. And then when you retire, so, you know, living that life now and, and you said it, it's like, you know, if you think of the five richest people, you know, are they the five wealthiest people, you know, and we all, you know, I think agree that it's, it's not usually the same group of five people. So, uh, you know, and, and you, you gave a great point that for now, that can be your goal for, so it isn't that this is for the rest of your life, you know, you know, we can change and we can evolve and we can go different directions and, uh, expand a bit on the, the triathlon thing in an essence of the health, Mm. because one thing we, we are super passionate about, I think that's part of the reason we connected is like, you know, if you're healthier, you can work longer, maybe work in, in it. It doesn't mean you have to str- struggle for that, you know, that long, but work a job that you like longer into, you know, your seventies, which means you can save less, which means you can spend more now or make less and still have a great life. So what in your triathlon training was sort of the biggest breakthrough health wise? Cause obviously you had to, up your health game from not doing triathlons to when you're doing them or Ironmans. I don't, I don't oversell my triathlon training terms. I was I was honestly really bad, um, just just very stubborn. It was that was a great example of a 18 year old goal that I never updated. It was just like that looks super hard and impressive. <laughs> yeah. I want to do an Ironman. I didn't actually. Re- I love running. I like cycling. I hate swimming. It's a really stupid thing for me to have done, but it's got in my head that it was like the hardest challenge you could do. So I was like, I need to do that. Yep. I did it once Love and it. I stopped because I didn't really like it. Um, but I could tell people I'd done it. So, <laughs> yep. Check. <laughs> but I th- I, one thing I did learn was nutrition, um, mainly because I kept injuring myself during training and because I wasn't following the right nutrition, I was getting really tired. And that was actually a pattern of behavior. Like I was in Hong Kong working for a multinational called Jardines. And I went to the doctor one time because I had headaches and I was really tired. I was like, okay, so what, what have you been doing recently? I was like, well, I do rugby training on this night, I do football training on this night. I go to the gym during lunchtime, so I do running. And I've, he's like, when did you start doing that? I was like, oh, I started like two weeks ago. He's like, what were you doing before? I was like, well, not, not much. I've been, I hadn't really been doing much for ages. He's like, this is, <laughs> this is not a complicated <laughs> diagnosis. Um, <laughs> so I do, but I do think that, that what the, the big surprise to me actually was not just the impact from nutrition on, performance and health but also mental health like i do i really think if you eat well like stay away from sugar i don't drink i really feel that helps you show up in a better mental mental space as well like having vegetables and um i'm not the greatest cook but i try um my wife luckily takes much more of a lead on that than me although i try not to lean on her too much for that um but well she's a dentist she probably keeps away from the sugar by design <laughs> sugar and fizzy drinks it's not happening um ah but yeah no it's, it's really I, I think that was that that has been the game changer for me just in terms of just realizing the impact of nutrition on um physical and mental health although it's not it's not something i, I i'm an expert on so it's not something i like 
coach on, but it's something that I flagged that is something worth considering. Yeah, no, but it's, it, you know, people who are of success mindset, usually there's uh, something that they do. And so again, if it's the sugar and the fizzy drinks, then that's uh, one thing, but also just being mindful of, uh, of the diet and the mental health uh, thing. Do you openly talk about the alcohol of why you stopped or what, what positives it brought to your life? Cause I think the, I see a trend right now of less consumption mm. in Canada, UK, I think there's still a big consumption of beers and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah. here it seems to be that there's a trend to non-alcoholic beer. Uh, so what, what is the, the draw? So, I, so for me, when I, when I did the Ironman, I didn't drink. I did a boxing match when I was in the Philippines. I didn't drink. And it just, I'd never really applied the same thought to work. And I got to a stage where I was getting really frustrated. I was like, I'm not achieving what I want to achieve. Like, I'm just kind of in this danger zone bit. And I was like, if I'm going to do this, I need to take any excuses off the table. And if I've, if I've ever tried to achieve something cool, I've stopped drinking. So why am I not applying the same logic to work? Oh. Um, and so originally, I set myself a target. So I wouldn't drink until I hit a certain target. And I made it quite public in my business. I was like, "This, I'm not going to drink until I do this. Um, didn't, didn't even manage to achieve it. But <laughs> I never actually went back to it because I, <laughs> I just, I never really missed it. Like, I, I, I definitely couldn't have stopped drinking if I was single. Luckily, I'd, I'd already met Marcella and I was very yeah. happy and I was very settled. Um. But I also think that I'm just aware that like, I spent a lot of time in Asia. My degree was Chinese. Um, and you, you you look back on the UK and you just realize that we do have a bit of a drinking culture and a drinking issue. It's kind of like try and drink two, three pints before closing in a, in a quick start. That's like, that is not really healthy drinking patterns. And you go somewhere else, you have like a drink <laughs> right. in a bottle for an hour. That feels a little bit more yeah. reasonable. And I, and I think the next generation is sort of right. wising up to that. Um, maybe partly because in our day, no one was recording anything. Facebook was only just out. <laughs> Whereas now everything's recorded on Instagram for life. So yeah. <laughs> you've got to, or TikTok, so you've got to be careful. Um, but that, that's, I, I probably could talk about it more. I just, it's one of those things that I don't want to appear preachy or kind of like, oh, look at me, because it's personal choice. It works for me, but it might no, be. No, no. It, it might not work for other people. I think you, you, it doesn't matter what you're trying to achieve that discipline of, if you're going to try and do something, then why not go all in or don't, you know, let's hell yes or no. And so, uh, again, I think that's a a great, uh, kind of, you know, bookend of like mindset positivity. What is sort of your final message? What's got you the most excited? What are you talking the most about as sort of a parting comment? You know, what are you talking to your clients about that's, you know, seems to be getting the best results or you're the most excited about or that you want to teach somebody? God, such an open question. It's great. I'm buzz- buzzing with ideas, things I want to talk about. <laughs> um, I maybe the most powerful message I could give people is that ultimately I think as founders, you're not alone. And I think a lot of people as a founder feel like they're the only one experiencing it. And they feel quite isolated because often they don't have a group of founders around them. They've just got friends and family who don't really get... It's very hard to understand what being a founder is like if you're not a founder. I mean, it's it's awesome being a founder, but it's also really tough. It comes with its own challenges, which people who are not founders just don't understand. So they see, oh, you've got your own business. You're a success. It's like, well, like in the early stage, I could probably make more money if I was doing my old job. 
Like it comes with all sorts of responsibility that I'm maybe not equipped for. There's this big sort of if it doesn't work, I'm going to look like a complete fool. Like there's there's so much that comes with that. But I think knowing that and just accepting that as a founder, all other founders are going through it. Which is why I did my podcast, uh, Future Fit Founder, was just just to share that story. The sort of the pain points rather than successes. We talk about successes so much. We sort of fetishize success. It's kind of like oh, build a business in six months and look at this 23-year-old. It's like, it's nonsense. Whereas actually most people, it's like a seven-year, 10-year journey based around like ups, loads of downs and just resilience, just sticking to it. Like if you, if you flip, it's just not going to work. So I think, so it's a very long answer to a, to a very small question, but I think... No, it's, <laughs> it's perfect. You're not alone, I think. is, a, is a num- like there are, Surround yourself with other founders, look for a coach, just appreciate that it's you are more important than your business because if you're okay, your business will be okay. If I'm, if I'm that lonely entrepreneur and I'm looking for some sort of group or mastermind or regular check-in, is there any that you see and disclose if you're affiliated and get paid for any of these, if you recommend them, but is there any mastermind websites? Like I can think of a few names, but like that you find, you know, and again, I'm, I'm thinking of the person that's like, Hey, I don't have time for, homework and coaching and we but i got time for you know every two months i gotta sit down i see maybe it's zoom 20 business people and there's a mid medium moderator and they talk and we kind of just unkind of just can kind of like ruminate in other entrepreneurs going through the struggles is there any websites groups things you could recommend to to listeners well not to slightly pitch my own but i also do a mastermind (laughs) so (laughs) You're so, <laughs> uh, my website, Peer Effect, uh, we do peer groups. So that's exactly 10, 10 founders. Peer Effect. Yeah, right? peer-effect.com. Okay. And we, I create peer groups of up to 10 CEOs of non, non-competing, founders of non-competing businesses for exactly that. Meet monthly for two and a half hours. Just do that. I think peer support, and, and there are other people that do this. Like I think it's a really it's a really powerful thing to do because you get so much from your peers that you wouldn't even necessarily get from a coach. I think actually the combination of coaching and peer support, I, th- I really think is the sweet spot. And it's brilliant because now we can be worldwide. So again, you're going to have, you know, 10 entrepreneurs in your own hometown. You know, my town that my office is in is 220,000 people. It's a pretty same slice where if you've got people in Singapore, people in the UK, people in South Africa, you know, that's, you're going to get more kind of exposure uh, to that. So thanks. Um, we will have uh, all your contact info in, uh, in the show notes, but where do people find you or where do you like people to find you? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, it's probably the easiest way. Uh, or you can contact me through my website as well, which is Peer Effect peer-effect.com. James, thanks uh, thanks a lot for being on the show. I uh, I really I made some great notes, and I know the listeners uh, got a few nuggets in there for sure. So thanks a lot for being on the show today. My pleasure, Dustin. Thanks for having me. If you found this episode valuable, share it with a friend. If you found this episode super valuable, leave us a review on iTunes. It will help us continue to bring you top-quality content. For more information on anything discussed on this show, visit www.servicewealth.com. That's service spelled S-E-R-V-I-S-S. 
Any investment topics covered on the show are not investment recommendations, and you should seek professional advice before making any investment decisions. This show was produced by Podigy Podcasts. Thanks for listening.